Warning! This episode contains foul language, religious and apocalyptic themes, and mentions of terrorism, murder, and suicide. Paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we sit down with a guest or just the two of us and we talk about something weird. And this week we are back with our season six premiere part two. What you have all been waiting for, we are continuing the discussion of the apocalypse. Ashley gave us some great info last week on the 144,000 that blew all of our minds. And this time around, I'm going to dig in some apocalyptic cults. What makes a doomsday cult, as they're called? What are some of the theories? What happens when they don't pan out? And how many lives have been lost because of a brainwashing, end-of-the-world predicting leader? Let's get into it and say a little prayer that we're one of the few that make it into heaven. My name is Lauren, and this is my lovely co-host, Ashley. Hi, weirdos. Hello and welcome. Hey guys! Back. Wow, yeah, apocalypse, huh? Apocalypse, uh, man. <laughs> real, real picker upper, huh? Good idea, yeah. gals. <laughs> what a great way to start the season. Now I'm we- actually enjoying this topic very much. <laughs> I am too. It's like even though there's a, a little bit of darkness to it, it still feels better than the darkness that is all around us. Life, it still feels life yeah, just life. Yeah. Still feels yeah. like a nice escape. Just talking to you and doing some good old research research man hated it for so long and then it it turns out you just needed to research something you like exactly had I known I mean gosh if I was in like high school or college one of the billion papers that I had to write if I could just find an angle that was strange I know anything strange and unusual there's plenty of stuff that we've covered on this show that I easily could have written a great paper on in high school college Yep. Physics. Yep. Time travel. Yep. Artificial intelligence. Yep. We just didn't know what we were doing yet. We needed we to grow. No, we, we needed were to grow as people. Little baby idiots still. Little we just idiots. needed some time. <laughs> but I we're actually here now. do think back uh, when I was younger and how fucking dumb I was. And sure. I have no respect for teenagers. I know. I'm like, ter- I'm, I'm first of all, I'm terrified of Wilder now as a toddler and to any of the parents yeah. out there, you know what I mean? But I'm very scared of the teenage phase, yeah. even more so. They're just, and especially being on I TikTok. I love <laughs> teenagers. I love them. They're I want scary, nothing though. but good things for them. I want, I can't wait for them to grow up and realize that they're wrong about everything. Wrong about every single um, thing. But yeah, I just, I can't. I can't like I know now when like why when I was a teenager and I was like well actually and it's like sit down sit down 
Shut the way up. my parents would roll their eyes at me or like put me in my place about something at the time it was like so they frustrating. just don't understand, they don't understand me. me got my teenage angst going even though nothing yeah. was really wrong with my life but yeah they were just rolling their eyes because they're like you have no idea like you've, you have no you idea have no is. idea yeah you really don't <laughs> but I I'm terrified of teenagers also like kind of in a good way especially like Gen Z I don't know if you've seen this on TikTok Obviously, there's some teenagers on there that I'm like, oh, gosh, and I'm just kind of like, you'll learn, whatever. But some of them are out there just like, they, they're they courageous, they're, you know, mm-hmm. they're like activists out there fighting in the world. I see little sides of them where I'm like, okay, well, I was not that way as a teenager, so maybe they're they're getting stronger. They scare me a little, but I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things, you know, the kids are all right. That kids saying. are all right. Yep. And like we're we were all right, too. And, and these teens will be all right. All teens will be all right. We'll it's all be just all right. a matter of getting through some dark years. Yep. And, uh, and then you come out, uh, you hit 30 and things the, the the smoke clears and you're like, oh, OK, this is okay. what matters. None this of, is nothing. Life. Nothing that I've ever thought matters matters. Thousand percent. I've loved my thirties because I feel like you finally are just like, this is who I am. This is life. Yeah. This is what's important to me. I've never felt so sure of myself or sure of life. Talked to my sister about this recently because she's just turning thirty, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know she's going through uh, some stuff that is really devastating for you at the time. But as a person who's a little bit older and who already went through it, it's, you know, it's like, hey, it gets better. It really gets better. <laughs> you know better. what I mean? Like, yeah. hey, don't worry. Like, I know that it seems like this sucks, but like within the next three years, you're going to grow so much within the next three years. Yes. And you whittle down the cool part about being in your 30s. You really whittle down who deserves your time and energy yes oh my gosh yes that's the biggest thing i've learned what deserves your time and energy yep and uh life just gets a lot easier you stop caring about a lot of stuff in a good way Mm. yes and uh you start caring more about stuff that actually fucking matters so The 30s are where it's at. And honestly, you know, so many people are like, well, wait till your 40s. And it's like, I can't wait because if I I like myself now more than anyone, anyone, I like myself now more than I've liked myself at any other point in my life. So if as long as we continue on that trajectory, the future is bright, kids. I completely agree because I remember people saying they loved their 30s when I was in my 20s. And again, I was a young idiot who was like, it won't get any better than this. Like, I look great. I feel great. And now that I'm in my 30s and I see that it's real and I feel like I've learned so much. Now, when I hear people say, just wait till your 40s, I'm like, I can't wait. And I fully (laughs) believe you that like 40s will be even better. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready to age. I'm not ready to be like 80, but I'm ready for the other stuff. (laughs) <laughs> yeah 80 I mean, scares me that seems like it just hurts 20s really was look great feel great yeah. 30s for me is like look fine feel horrible <laughs> physically <laughs> feel amazing emotionally and spiritually 
that is your the body realist really does statement. start to die. <laughs> <laughs> that is the realest statement because I, I didn't know where you were going with it at first. And I was like, does she feel physically fine? Because I always feel no, physically everything hurts. awful. I've got, a, I've got the weirdest bruises on my body. Yeah, why do I have I so ache. many bruises? Am I iron uh, yeah. deficient? I don't know. I mean, my I head am. Hurts. <laughs> I'm I'm always tired. I don't remember the last time I felt like actually just awake. Like I opened yeah. my eyes. I hadn't had coffee or tea or anything and was just like, yep, let's ah. start the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When in my 20s, I could drink until four in the morning and show up to work the next day. And it was like, let's go. And remember when you used to poop normal? Yeah, those were the days. Remember when it was like a poop a day and everything was fine. And now nope. it's like I might poop my eyes out. I might not poop for a while. No, no telling what the consistency is going to be. Yeah, I yeah. might be like attached to the toilet for a full day and not be able to come up for air. Or I might say, I don't think I've pooped once this week. And that's why my stomach <laughs> is sticking out and I look pregnant. <laughs> oh, boy. So the apocalypse. Um <laughs> Anyway, that's but, not getting edited out. You guys are going to listen to that yeah, rant. Yeah, you're going to listen to this. You need to learn. Uh, before we get into it today, I wanted to remind you guys that we have a Patreon. And Ooh. just ask that if you listen to our show, please consider donating to said Patreon. Even if it's just a buck. Even if it's just a dollar. Every single dollar we make goes into producing the show and paying Lauren and I so that we can continue to do this show full time. Uh, you know, the reason our hiatus was so long was... Definitely that when we are in full swing, keep it weird mode, on an easy week, we're putting about 20 hours in. Yeah, feels Um, like another job. Yeah, and that's a lot of work, and we absolutely love doing it, but also life is hard and expensive. So (laughs) the more financial stability we can get from doing the podcast, the more time and work we can put into it, and the more episodes you get, and honestly, the better quality episodes because we can put more energy into it. So please consider donating to our show at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. Um, You get things in return. You get several bonus episodes a month. You get a monthly news newsletter you get discounts on merch it's a really great deal um thank you we love you we love you so much thank you for everyone who stuck with us and i'm gonna start today so kick us off girl please allow me to introduce myself i'm a man of wealth and taste remember that old ditty that's actually I love that song <laughs> funny note for anyone who gives a f- rat's ass my it's my favorite song, "Sympathy for the Please Devil" by the Rolling you. Stones. Yeah. Oh. it's my favorite song for two it's reasons. Great. One, I think it's the best rock and roll song of all time because not only is it like a good song, it sounds good, it's a great song, but also it's a song from the point of view of the devil, right? Which, which doesn't get fun. much more rock and roll. <laughs> and also, the message of the song is like, yeah, I was there when they shot Kennedy. And I was there when they crucified Jesus. But mm-hmm. so were you. Ooh. You were there too. You were there. So quit pointing your fingers. Stop judging me. At me. You throw in those. Yeah, I was like, I was going to try and like throw a biblical verse in there. Who who cast the first stone. <laughs> yeah, There's something so, about that in there. Something. <laughs> something's, something's. You get there. five stones thrown back or something. <laughs> something like that. No, it really is a great rock and roll song. So. Obviously, I'm talking about the Antichrist. Of course. (laughs) I wouldn't have it any other way. Satan's pal. Uh, And (laughs) 
let me tell you, the Bible is vague. Yeah. Super vague. Couldn't get a lot out of them. Especially with Revelation being so specific on other things, like in the last episode, the 144,000 being Jewish male virgins from very specific bloodlines. It's interesting to me that with the antagonist of the whole thing, they're just like, and then some freaking guy comes (laughs) along. (laughs) You know specifically who the 144,000 are that are supposed to save us. But right. with like, the Antichrist, you're like, I don't know. But <laughs> it, was, it was this guy. Watch, watch I, for him. I saw him briefly, but he is no good. Yeah. yeah. He's somewhere between 5'2 and 6 feet tall. <laughs> and he has long or medium length hair. So for real, though, oh, the Bible gosh. dances all around this idea of this person or persons who will come to fight Christ when he returns to earth. And a ton of people have been called the Antichrist since then. Just about every pope, just about every president, Kanye, okay? so <laughs> Even Kanye. <laughs> let's see what this guy's supposed to be like, and then we can assess if we've met him yet. All right. I, I'm already, like, I'm going to throw out my theory right from the beginning that I, Kanye lines up for me. I don't know. I kind of see it. Let's <laughs> we'll see. see. First and foremost, the idea that the Antichrist is an actual individual person in the universe is a pretty new thought. Um, in fact, in the New Testament, as I said before, so vague, at one point in Second Thessalonians and Revelation, they seem to point out a specific prosecutor, like a specific dude. Uh-huh. However, in the first epistle of John, it says that a persecutor was coming to join the other antichrists already at work on earth. Oh. Then there's also a point in 2 John that says many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out in the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. So that's a lot of antichrists, my dude. And like technically I would be an antichrist. Yeah. Are we all the antichrist? (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, great tattoo idea. Yep. And I'm right. I don't it hate it. Yeah, maybe we when we get our tattoos together, we'll like we'll <laughs> do our Antichrist. our planned design, but then just put Antichrist underneath. Remember that time we were gonna get a tattoo that said pathetic because we were called yep. pathetic. So mm-hmm. we were gonna get matching tattoos that said pathetic. I'm still not against it. Anyway, what's interesting about almost all the passages that cover the Antichrist in the Bible is that most scholars and I always struggle with this word theologians. There we go. Mm-hmm. We'll I, tell you. It's hard. I always want to say theologians. I know. That ain't it. <laughs> I'll try that sentence again. Most scholars and theologians will tell you that they are historical references, not future prophecies. Ah. Which is like, what? That's crazy. So, for example, the 666 in Revelation 13 is actually believed to be Emperor Nero because ancient Roman society used numbers to represent names, kind of like being able to talk shit without revealing who you are talking about. And uh, Revelation was written around 95 AD, and Nero reigned from about 64 to 68 AD, and he fucking sucked. He also hated Christians. He blamed them for a lot of the horrific shit happening at the time, and he killed them in mass. He would throw them to dogs, nail them to crosses, burn them alive. It was under his reign that Peter and Paul were executed, so not super surprising that Nero was perceived by Christians as a persecutor of their faith. Sure, sure, I see it. 
In fact, after he killed himself in 68 AD, there was a widespread belief amongst Christians that he would rise from the dead and return to finish the job. And eventually that belief faded. He was no longer regarded as a historic figure, but as a sort of prophetic one, one to look out for in the future. Basically what we based all of our ideas, our ideas of the Antichrist on. Gotcha. So the closest that we've seen to an Antichrist in our time on Earth is Hitler. I mean, literally. Yeah. It doesn't get any more Antichrist than that. No. In uh, Daniel chapter 11, they specifically state that a man will come with chariots and horsemen and many ships and shall enter into the countries to overthrow them and specifically will target the glorious land, which is Jerusalem, and kill Jews. Mm -hmm. And... You know, even the line in the Bible about how the Antichrist will force people to receive a mark on them so they, you know, could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name, etc. And during the Nazi era in Germany, authorities reintroduced the Jewish badge and all Jews had to wear a yellow star of David on their clothing in public at all times to identify them. And of Mm -hmm. course... Of course, they were also marked by numerical tattoos during the Holocaust. And then he slaughtered six million Jews. Yep. He's lining up perfectly with the definition. It's he actually really crazy. Is. Like yeah. when I read the actual lines of the Bible and then read, you know, I obviously knew about Hitler. But when I read those specific lines, I was like, geez, I was like, this seems so specific and so identical to the text. So much more so than vaccination cards but who's to say (laughs) maybe their bible was talking about the vaccination cards and how you can't go to the bar without a vaccination card maybe that's what they were referencing no like exactly what they're talking about we definitely are being treated so poorly having the bible was literally like this guy this happened this can happen it's Mm -hmm. bad don't follow people like this don't follow false prophets like this this is a bad man and then it happened again and we were like well no one warned us nobody told me no one told but nobody told me no we told you we told you it was god god said god told you (laughs) that's who you should be listening to (laughs) yeah but really so a lot of our ideas of the antichrist has been pop culture related because he's not really talked about in the bible Almost at all from everything that's in the Bible and every passage that I could find about the Antichrist. First of all, like I said, a lot of them referred to Antichrists uh, Mm -hmm. being like a certain type of person. It doesn't seem like there's one guy and it doesn't seem like the Bible was specific about it at all. And if it was going to be one particular guy, there would have been specifics. Right. We would have gotten those details because there are details about everything else that they want us to know. But there's no details about the Antichrist. So, I mean. Isn't it funny that we just latched onto that, though? Like that Antichrist is a term you hear all the time. I mean, yeah, like mm -hmm. you said, especially in books and movies that we've latched onto it and made it into, you know, kind of this, this scary thing, this thing that we should fear, this being that we you know, imagine is going to come down. And it's like, really, why did we latch on to that when it's barely yeah. mentioned? And it very much so in pop culture makes it seem like the Antichrist is going to be born. And they're going to know they're the Antichrist and be right. raised to be. But really, it's it's just when the time comes, it's a person who person or people who stop us from, you know, growing, from yeah. evolving, from Our mission to be a better people. 
Yeah, it's it's just people who who stop you from doing that. And the the best way to do it, look out for wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. Any powerful person claiming to be God, huge red flag. Or huge. uh maybe a person who claims to be a man of God but does horrible things like kills millions of people is not the dude to follow to salvation. Yep. I saw actually just yesterday Vladimir Putin was called um, the Antichrist by the Archbishop in Ukraine. I was like, hey, I mean, I would understand why you would say that because those actions, they're lining up with it. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about the Antichrist, really. (laughs) Yeah. Don't be too concerned, everyone. He doesn't exist. He's not mentioned too much in the Bible, I think, Robert. But speaking Um, about people claiming to be God... I was like, man, what a segue, Ashley. Let's talk about you've read about a few (laughs) cults, guys. What's so funny is we used to have a cult series going with our dear friend Tyler, which is so sad that we don't all live in the same city anymore. So we not that we still can't do it, but we I was gonna say he's got a mic. We'll do another cults episode. We'll do it again. Yeah. We we can always talk about cults. It is a fascinating topic. But today we are going to specifically talk about cults and their relation to the apocalypse because there are some certain groups that just really think they've got a hold on the end of the world and they are doing all the right things and the rest of us are screwed. So let's talk about it. Doomsday cults is the term that you've probably heard the most often. A doomsday cult is an expression used to describe cults that believe in apocalypticism and millenarianism. And that can refer to groups that think they are predicting disaster and, Mm. you know, they're hunkering down and hiding from it. Or they can also be groups that attempt to bring disaster and chaos about in order to destroy civilization and start fresh because we've messed it up and we need a fresh clean slate. They're not wrong. I mean, yeah, I'm like, I I get it. Apocalypticism. There are some words. There are some words today that are going to be a struggle. Apocalypticism is the religious belief that the end of the world is imminent, even within one's own lifetime. So that one is pretty specific to, you know, deep, deeply religious groups, churches, they like apocalypticism kind of goes to them. And it's usually accompanied by the idea that civilization will soon come to a tumultuous end due to some sort of catastrophic, you know, global event. And then millenarianism is the belief that can be by a by religious still or social or political or any kind of movement, any kind of group that, you know, is trying to make change. They can call themselves whatever, but it's not necessarily based out of a church. Any of those groups, um, they are looking to make a huge transformation of society. They think that it's necessary and unavoidable that, you know, people either have to be wiped out or something huge has to happen to transform everyone in the way they think. Mm. It basically is like we're either going to cause violence upon you or upon ourselves and sacrifice ourselves in order for the world to move forward. These are actually really scary cults, mostly because they kind of take in anyone because, again, they're not just religious. It's sort of like... These are the groups that will say, you know, come one, come all. If you want to do this and this, come and see our group. And they prey on those vulnerable people who are feeling lost and looking for something. As we've discussed on cult episodes before, it's like people can easily fall prey if they're at a certain point in their life where they're looking for community. And cults know how to sell themselves. They find those charismatic people. 
there's a common misconception that it's uh, lesser intelligent people that join cults. And that's not true at all. No, it's actually sometimes more intelligent people that get sucked into cults because, well, I think it has a lot to do with psychology and like the fact that like, you know, if you've been right about things for X amount of times, you assume that you can't be swindled, essentially. Right. I can't be tricked. This has to be real. And so it it usually is still a person feeling uh, lost or even Mm -hmm. lacking, like severely lacking. They need something more meaningful. Yeah, that they get sucked into them. So boy, oh boy. Well, and like you said, I mean, I know you were like joking, but when I said that, you know, the clean slate thing and starting over, but you were like, man, we do need it. That can also happen. Again, that could be a perfectly intelligent person who's, you know, very in tune with all of the issues in the world and all of the changes we need to make. And so if they hear the speaker saying like, hey, we are fighting for this change and we are going to be the people that actually make it happen while the rest of society just falls apart, they're probably like, oh, yeah, I want to be a part of this, you know. Yeah, so. I want to be a part of saving the human race. Right. So it's like you get why people get sucked in. But the reason I said these types of cults are scary is because, yeah, like any type of person can be sucked into it and possibly get brainwashed. But also these are usually the people that are going to incite violence in some way because they believe yeah. everyone is corrupt except for them and except for their leader. Um And so there's examples of either, you know, violence towards themselves or towards others. And violence towards themselves we've seen with Heaven's Gate or Mm -hmm. the Order of the Solar Temple, where there is a mass suicide performed within them in order to, you know, elevate to a higher power. And, you know, they were the sacrifice that needed to go so humanity could be saved. And have you, are you talking more about Heaven's Gate? I actually wasn't going to okay. only because... I just want to make sure because I was going to say something, but I didn't want to say oh. it if you're going to no, get to it. No, say it, please. Say it. They one, were not one of the ones I covered. Did you watch the HBO special on them? I sure oh did. Oh my God, actually. it's so Lord good. It's so it good. so good. It made me learn... I mean, I thought I knew everything about... I wasn't going to watch it because I was like, right. everyone knows how I'm going to I know everything. No, I it was so informative and it completely like changed my views on the people of in the heaven's gate cult mm-hmm. and my thing is how do we know they didn't succeed right we don't know that <laughs> that is the thing like people are like haha you fucking idiots you just killed yourself like, but well, in my head i'm like well, what if did what yeah they what if they did exactly what they wanted to do Exactly. We don't really know in the case of those mass suicides. It's sort of like, well, maybe they did accomplish what they yeah. set out to do. I feel but... like, you know, some mass, like fucking Jim Jones, like he's a okay, piece yeah. of shit. That like that guy's a fucking garbage. asshole. Yes. He did that for his selfish reasons. Yes. But yeah, 100%. with Heaven's Gate, I mean, it wasn't about the thing that's interesting about them to me is that it wasn't about power. So mm-hmm. many cults are about power. And about, you know, amassing money or amassing sexual partners or, you know, getting something. But this cult was literally like, no, the the followers believed this. They didn't take their or the followers, the um, the leaders believed this as well. Mm -hmm. Um, The leaders participated in all parts of this cult and they didn't take, you know, their followers life savings and shit. Right. 
Yeah, that's the thing is I did not expect to watch that documentary and like feel an understanding for those people. You know, I thought I was going to watch it and be like, oh, these crazy people. I'm going to, you know, thinking I was going to look down on all of them. But it was like, no, I again, it's like they had community. They were all believing in the same thing and the leaders weren't sitting back, you know, getting Manny petties and taking everyone's money. Yeah. Like they were all... They were all in it together, like yeah. you said. It's, and ever since totally I watched it, I I've just been like, maybe they made it. Yeah. I hope they made it. You kind of want to believe that they yeah. did, so people I hope didn't just die. Hallie's Comet came and swooped him up. <sighs> swooped him away. Caught it just in time. So we can hope. Anyways, go on. Yes. No, and that is important to note that, like, there is a difference because obviously, like, with Jonestown, it was like that was just horrific. And, you know, there is the difference between leaders of certain cults. But, um, yeah, that's like the that's the suicide part of it. And then there's also the outward violence version, which we see in the, there was a Japanese doomsday cult called Om Shiriniko. Okay. Um, that killed, I know I had never heard of it and I don't know how because okay. like, it's crazy. Um, that killed and in- injured numerous people on subways across Japan and was eventually dubbed a terrorist organization. What started as a religion became a terrorist organization. And I am going to touch on them more later, but those are just some examples out there. So all of this death, mostly unnecessary death. I mean, all of it is unnecessary death unless we want to believe that Heaven's Gate got on Haley's Comet, but All of this death stems from the belief that the end of the world is coming, that the apocalypse is on his way, on its way. And before I get into some specifics of these cults and, you know, what they actually believed and how they got their followers, I did dig into the psychology a little bit behind doomsday cults that stay together when the predictions don't happen, because that never made any sense to me. Like, yeah, you see that the leader was wrong. Why are you still hanging around like the rest of the world is kind of pointing and laughing and you're like, nope, I'm staying. So I was like, why does this happen? So a man named Leon Festinger and some other researchers published a book in the 50s called When Prophecy Fails, a social and psychological study of a modern group that predicted the destruction of the world. Longest title ever. Yeah. Um, (laughs) This book has kind of been the foundation of the study of apocalyptic cults, though, because Festinger was able to infiltrate a religious cult and see what happened when their Mm. apocalyptic prediction didn't come true. He got in there, I think, with one of the other researchers as well. They were both in there, you know, like taking notes and seeing what would happen. And then they wrote this book together with their findings. And it sort of showed what we do see happening over and over with doomsday cults when we're all sitting here saying, how is your commitment stronger? I don't get it. Even after the prophecies didn't come true. So Festinger explained- Seriously, like how really? it was like Hillary's going to be arrested this week. Okay, it so didn't like, happen now. What? It didn't happen now. What? Oh well, it, now it's going to be in August. Okay, well it didn't happen yeah. now. What? Oh well, now it's going to be, and it's like, mm. I yeah, and that they, they mm. just keep going. It was like none of your predictions are real. So how are you still following this? But um. So Festinger explained this phenomenon as part of a coping mechanism called cognitive dissonance, which is a term that I I had heard of but didn't know what it was, but I'd absolutely heard the term, Um, and you may all have too and be in the same boat as me. Uh, It's like a psychological term formed by this man, essentially, and put in this book that's still used today, but it's it basically is a form of rationalization to protect ourselves. So even when you see a result in front of your face, your response will contradict that result, no matter what the outcome of the prophecy or the outcome of, you know, something you're hoping for. 
if it doesn't come true, you will find ways to protect yourself and make it all make sense in your head. You'll hold tightly to your beliefs and you refuse to back down from it, which like we don't just see in cults now, like people do it too to guard their heart. Like, oh, no, it's not what I actually meant to do. I I like that result. You know, like we we're protecting ourselves. Yeah. Um, so that is what we're seeing in doomsday cults. They hold so tightly to their beliefs and to their leader who they will, you know, follow into the fire that they make it make sense in their head. They dedicate themselves even further in most cases was what him and his researchers were finding and what you just described with QAnon. They're like, nope, we're still in it. Um, so the fact that like when the prophecy didn't come true with the cult that they infiltrated, which I'm going to talk about that cult later, um, he was, you know, he's taking notes and waiting for everybody to be like, okay, well, we were wrong. I guess we'll go on with our lives. And some people did that. Right. It was newer members usually who had maybe only been there a few weeks. They were sort of like, oh, I tried it. They were wrong. Peace. But the people who were really in it and had been for years were like, oh, well, we did what we were supposed to do. You know, we prayed, we hunkered down, we did this and this. And because of our precautions, we avoided the disaster. We mm. avoided the end of the world because of what we did. That's how they get you. Exactly. And it's sort of like, oh, I do see how that would work, especially if people are like deep into it. It's like, yeah, they what they did um, helped. And then it some of the researchers. Like reinforces. Yeah. The idea. Like, Wait. We're doing the right thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's why they, like, usually get more committed. You know, they recommit and go It's deeper. the same so with, like, like right. superstitions, uh, like, sports superstitions. Like, if I don't yeah. wash my shorts, then we'll win this game. And it's yeah. like, then you win the game, and you're like, it's because I didn't wash my shorts. Exactly. Now that I can never happening. wash my shorts again. That was happening with Alex and the Cincinnati Bearcats this year in the playoffs. <laughs> he was wearing the same shirt. I think he was wearing the same hat, too, for most of the games. And I was Did like, he oh, wash boy. it? that's a good question i don't think he did i don't think it was washed what a monster i didn't think he smelled bad didn't so i guess they, that's the good news lose? of the story they did lose but they so made it far further they than they had far. in a long time but, they probably uh, lost because you washed his shirt i know i'm probably the one that so. threw it in the laundry yeah. <laughs> sorry alex love you sorry bud um, some researchers also believe that the scare tactics used by the government and the news media can lead to a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. with cults and their beliefs, which I was like, yes, we see that a lot. Um, because, you know, if the authorities are getting involved and they're scaring the public and saying like, watch out for these people or, you know, do this and this, we need to be fearful of this. Then the cult is sitting there thinking like, okay, what we're doing is right. Everyone's out to get us. Like we are the chosen ones. We're going to, you know, take we were, action because yeah. now we were everyone's told against us. That they would try to stop us. Exactly. And now we that's were told exactly we what's happening. Yep. Wow. And I was like, dang, that's so true too. It's like this all makes so much so sense. Really, so really we should just ignore them. Yes, but we never, boy, do we never. <laughs> boy, but, do um, we never. Well, we, <laughs> boy, do we never. That quote can work too, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like when you dig into it a little bit more, you're like, I totally see why, you know, cults last for years and years and, you know, why people stay with them. It's like all of this does make sense. And a good example of that is actually, you know, our good old pal David Koresh and the Branch Davidians oh, yeah. down in Waco. 
it was David was a person who read the Bible so literally, you know, like he took it word for word, um, especially the book of Revelation, as we love to chat about. And he knew very well that Waco, Texas in 1993, with, you know, that siege and that standoff that was never mentioned in the Bible. That is not what he knew to be the end time. It was not what was described to him. He had this vision of the apocalypse and what he was going to face with his followers But as the situation started to get worse and when tanks and psychological warfare and the noise and the lights at night and the pressing of his group, you know, when all when this battle gets so hyped up, he starts to think, wait, maybe this is the end. Like this looks like, you know, the flames and everything that I have been imagining because of how intense they're being towards us. So the way that the situation was handled by the government delivered to David like the prophecy that he wanted and convinced him even more so that he was the right, he was in the right, and this was the apocalypse coming to take over. And he was like, take us now. Maybe he was having visions and he was just envisioning exactly what happened to him. And he saw it again, like I talked about in the last episode, or was it this episode? <sighs> where we see everything through our own lens uh, of oh, our yeah. own beliefs. So right. like if he is having these visions of, you know, quote unquote, the world ending, his world did end. Right. And exactly. all of that stuff did happen. Um, exactly. And he could have just been looking at it through the lens of a huge religious fanatic. He also, totally. here's the thing, he read the Bible front to back. He was very, like, he religiously, if you will. He also religiously watched The Lawnmower Man. So, yeah. no, listen, I am I supporting David anyway? I'm sure not. <laughs> am I supporting David? No. He, no, he had a lot of problems. He was yeah. a disgust. He was a disgusting man. We've talked about it on the show. Like, I'm not, I'm not diving into the Branch Davidians because, like, we've we've been there, done that, and we know it's awful. But I was more just trying to say, like, that point of, like, that was a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way because he had this vision of what it would be. And when they were pushing so hard and coming at them in the way that they were and, like, I mean, a pretty violent, aggressive way, he thought, oh, this is what it meant. This is the end. And that's why he was like, okay, take Mm -hmm. us now. Like, here's the shootout. We're all going to lose our lives. Horrible tragedy. And so it's sort of like... Well, the government maybe could have handled that a little differently, as we've discussed before. Whatever. Whatever you believe, there's that can be yeah, discussed for hours. But who's to say? We weren't there. Um, but basically, if a cult has an apocalypse mindset and they are committed to their leader, which usually it is a leader who is a smooth, talking, convincing, usually like pretty intelligent, but maybe has like a lot of mental health issues. Um, if that person can, you know, convince everybody, they will stay with them forever, no matter the outcome, whether the prophecy comes true or not, they're going to carry on. Nothing else matters. They will convince themselves to stay. Okay. So I just had to touch on that because that's fascinating to me. But so what are these people actually believing? Like, how did some of these cults come to be? So I, I went back and one of the first that I could find of religious apocalyptic cults was this movement called the Millerite Movement. Um, It was called the Millerite Movement because there was a Baptist preacher named William Miller who proclaimed that Jesus Christ would return to the earth by 1844, which he called the Advent. And his study of Daniel 8, uh, he would study that, and there was the prophecy of the second, um, you know, 
coming. No, what was I saying? The second coming of Christ. Yeah, yeah. sorry. I lost my place and I was like, that's not a word. It was the <laughs> prophecy of the second coming of Christ. And he really latched on to that and, you know, was preaching that everywhere. And this was also during what was called the Second Great Awakening in the 1800s, which was like this huge religious revival of, you know, mostly Protestants coming up and like really getting back into the church. So he like he found his audience, people who wanted to be very religious. And he was like, hey, everybody, Jesus is coming back and let's talk about it. So his study of Daniel 8 led him to the conclusion that Daniel's words of cleansing of the sanctuary were to mean the cleansing of the world from sin when Christ would come back. And so he and his followers all started to prepare. And the date Miller believed to be the end date was October 22nd, 1844. He was sure of it. That was going to be when Jesus came and the world would be cleared of all sin. That was going to be the end day where they would meet Jesus. But that day came and went and everyone was very disappointed. And he honestly just kind of like backed away and was like, well, you know, I think probably tried to... (laughs) explain it but people were disappointed they you know started to kind of move on but I mean some people were still trying to hype him up a little bit because like this belief continued in a way this paved the way for the Adventists who formed the seventh day Adventist church they contended that what had happened on October 22nd was not Jesus's return as Miller had said but it was the start of Jesus's work of atonement cleansing the heavenly sanctuary to ready it for people he's, to come he's, you know dusting and vacuuming yes and, you know fluffing some fluffing the pillows yes really fluffing shake, those little clouds shaking out all the <laughs> shaking off all the cat hair he's like they're coming i gotta get it ready for all these people <laughs> he had the lint roller out he was making sure it was perfect so it was the cleansing of heaven miller like we don't hate you man you were close you were you were, you so were close, close you just you mis- you misinterpreted one tiny thing this little part. So like, we're still on it. And again, perfect example of cognitive dissonance right here. Like, don't worry, guys, he wasn't totally wrong. But we didn't fully understand the prediction. Here's the real situation. We still need to prepare ourselves, blah, 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 blah. So this church like goes on for years and years. And it's actually what led to the Branch Davidians. They came off of the Seventh Day Adventist Church. So they had some of these same beliefs, but you know, formed their own little branch, like with a couple tweaks here and there. And that is where David Koresh came in. And then David eventually splits off, forms his own little creepy group called the Koreshians. And he did believe in the second coming of Christ. That's why he was a part of this church and that judgment day was coming soon. But he also believed himself to be a prophet. And that's where he kind of goes into more of the the cult sector. Right. And after a 1985 trip to Jerusalem, I don't feel like I actually knew this story, but maybe I totally missed it when we talked about it on the show. He used to be like this super quiet guy that just like attended church and like was minding his own business, but he went on a trip to Jerusalem in 1985. And when he came back, he was completely different. He knew the scripture better than he ever had before, better than like anyone in the church could like recite it word for word. He was super talkative. He, you know, came back a little more charismatic. He looked like a leader. And so he was like, I'm going to start my own group. I know what I'm doing now. I believe every word in the book of Revelation. And he had a way with words that he could connect the scripture to anything happening in the world. Yeah. And that was why people believed him, which we know that part was like, well, this happened. So obviously had uh, 
revelation, if you will, uh, on his a trip. Revelation. He did. Um, that kind of woke him up to something. I mean, whether it was right or wrong, it was wrong. But it, <laughs> you know, uh, inspired him. Also, I do have to say, I just thought of the episode title. And I don't know if I've been more proud. Are you going to tell me at the in end or now? Uh, I'll tell you, you now. Tell me? I'll tell you right okay. now. Are tell you ready? Tell me, please. Yes. Jesus swept. <laughs> Ashley. Like I barely oh. heard what you said the last few sentences because in my head I was like, Jesus swept. Oh Jesus my God, that's swept. so fucking funny. You have to tell Lauren Jesus swept. Don't forget Jesus swept. Write Jesus swept down. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that is, I don't know. We will never have a better title for an episode. You know I what? I know we just started season six, but we're done, guys. Thank you we're so done. much. That's we're, all that. <laughs> like the podcast is done, not just we're the done. season. Because we're we'll not going to get it. better than that. We're not gonna Jesus beat it. swept Ashley. Oh my it's God. over. That's so smart. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Continue. Just, no, it's so good. I don't like. I don't even want to finish. Oh my no, God. we shouldn't. We're done. No. It was fabulous. Um, yes, but I did want to say you were exactly right. After he came back from that 1985 trip and he was a changed man, but he also, he did say, he said, I am the seventh messenger sent from heaven and I am a form of Christ. Because the reason they're called the seventh day Adventists is because they believe that different messengers are sent from God to, you know, save the earth, as we were talking about before, like the enlightened mm. ones, the awakened the 144,000. ones. 144,000. Yep. And he believed he was that seventh messenger. So that's why he was like, everyone follow me. Everyone listen to me. The apocalypse um, is coming. The seventh messenger, there was the seventh messenger as as well as the seven seals, right? I don't, I don't know. In Revelation, I believe, like, uh, I don't, I don't remember. Terrible. I don't remember if the seven messengers brought the seven seals or if they were two separate things but the seven seals were the ones where it was like look i brought this thing and then it ends up being a plague oh now i'm wondering if that is connected opening the seventh seal like the seventh the seventh seal is like total destruction or something right it's just like a horcrux and harry potter exactly come on everybody exactly (laughs) Um, yeah, those could be connected. I'm terrible at knowing the Bible and there's probably people out there shaking their heads Sorry, and guys. you're totally right. But either way, seven is a number that also I feel like appears a lot. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's fair that I get confused, but yeah, he did. You were totally right. He believed he was an anointed one. He was coming to deliver a message from Christ. That's why he started his second group and he turned into a monster. And there we go. Then there's some other religious cults that one this guy actually wasn't like a cult he was a a guy with a microphone who again was convincing and he had a cult like following due to his end of the world predictions but i guess like technically he wasn't you know on a commune with a cult but i thought this guy was interesting because so many people did listen to him and like hold on to his words but this guy have you heard of harold camping camping at all no i don't think so i hadn't i hadn't either i was like who is this guy but he was a christian radio host Um, who stated that the rapture and judgment day would take place on May 21st, 2011, and that the end of the world would take place five months later on October 21st, 2011, based on adding the 153 fish of John 20 to May 21st. So he was just holding on to these numbers. Exactly. I don't know why he came to that. 
He added the 153 fish in the story in John 20. And for some reason in his head, that was his rationale of saying, if you add this number, we get to May 21st. So people will be raptured and then the whole world will crumble five months later. He thought the Bible was was like just like a bunch of codes. It was like the Da Vinci code. Yes, exactly. He was decoding it. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So he came up with that. And he believed that that is exactly what was going to happen. He talked about it all the time. And he had this microphone and this very popular Christian radio show. So people were listening and people were, you know, holding on to it. He was also the president of Family Radio Christian Network. So, you know, he had a lot of power. He claimed the Bible as his source and that everyone should believe in him. And a lot of, he did have a lot of supporters. He did have some, you know, people who were very, religious going against him though which i appreciated saying like listen i your math is fun and all like this seems like a nice little thing but first of all we heard you claim the rapture was going to occur in september of 1994 don't think we've forgotten people had receipts (laughs) so they came forgotten they came forward with the receipts and were like you've said this before dude so first of all but then they also came back with other bible passages saying like the words of jesus in matthew had said no one will know the day or hour yes. that the rapture happens they were also kind of like why do you think you know and where did your math come from and also people were noticing that every church was still holding its services on sunday may 22nd so clearly nothing was going to happen in their eyes so he did have a lot of opposition besides the people People who were just like totally brainwashed by his words. So then, of course, May 22nd and 23rd come and nothing happens. And Camping says, well, May 21st had been a spiritual day of judgment, oh. but the physical rapture is still coming October 21st. I'm sorry, I misspoke. He's trying I'm sorry, to. I take misspoke back his words. a thousand times. A thousand times. <laughs> And then October 16th comes, just five days before, you know, it's the end of the world. And Camping decides, ah, shoot, it's going to happen again. So he decides to just, like, (laughs) cover himself before it happens. And he admitted to an interview that he had no idea when the end of the world was coming. And he just, like, vanished into a hole and then came back out in March of 2012 and apologized and humbly acknowledged um, to in a letter to family radio listeners that basically said I was mistaken it was sinful of me to predict this date everyone wow. was right to critique me I'm so sorry and I then he kind of like have a went lot back of into his cave that. that's what I said he that's why I'm like he was cult like because like he was really like convincing people yeah. and taking advantage of people for a while but he owned his mistakes, which does not happen usually. So no, he was a unique, it does not, because it's hard. I don't like guy. it. I don't like being called yeah. out uh, when I was wrong about be... something or when I did something that was hurtful. I don't. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel good. But to come back with your tail between your legs. Yeah, but I I actually have a lot of respect for him for being like I was wrong and it was wrong of me to do that. Right. Yeah. Wow. It was, yeah, it was sinful. And he said, you know, I'm going to read the Bible more fervently than I ever had. And I'm going to be faithful in my understanding, all of that. So respect for him. And that's the only reason I wanted to touch on him was because he's kind of a unique character in the world of apocalyptic cults where it's like he owned that he was completely wrong and yeah. was just kind of, I think, looking for the attention probably at the time. But he and came back he might and not have even known that that's what he was 
doing. Right. We do right. a lot of things where we don't know why we do them or it's only after the fact that you can look back and be like, ah, like, oh, shoot. Okay. Yep. That's what I wanted. Right. That's what I was needing. Yep. I see. I see what my, my brain was doing there, what my heart was doing. Yeah. Um, so those are examples of, you know, religious followings, obviously, that are, they're trying to follow the Bible, they're trying to interpret it, they're trying to decode it. And that happens. That's probably what we see the most often yeah. is religious cults doing that. But then what about people who believe the end of the world is coming through aliens? Uh. Ashley, it's for you. Um, the Seekers, also called the Brotherhood of the Seven Rays, were a group called a UFO religion, which also, I'm just like, is this about Ashley? I can see you starting a UFO say, religion. Are they still around? Do they need new members? <laughs> I don't think they're around anymore, but Oops. you can start one. UFO religion refers to those who believe that extraterrestrials will bring about a radical change on Earth and or lift the religious believers to a higher plane of existence, which you you talked about a little bit about in our yeah. last episode. Um, so the Seekers started because they met in a non-denominational church. You know, they had some religious foundations, but all were clearly looking for something more and not as strict. So they were going to this non-denominational church to be a little more open. And then some of these people found each other and were like, oh, let's start our own thing. So it was organized in 1953 by Charles Laughhead, a staff member at Michigan State University. And then they... Their leader that rose to power was a woman named Dorothy Martin from Chicago. She was also called Sister Thedra. Oh. And she was the one that basically claimed to be the enlightened one. Again, there always has to be one that comes forward. It started yeah. as this group with similar beliefs who are connecting, finding community. And then Dorothy comes along and is like, no, guys, I was the one who was told. I have been told by the extraterrestrials that a catastrophe is coming on December 21st, 1954, and we are all going to be taken on the ship if we believe and we hold strong. And this is the first, probably the earliest UFO religion it is believed to be, but then several have come off yeah. of this one. Um, but Dorothy claimed that she was contacted constantly by the aliens who warned them the end was coming, and... Here we are, full circle. This was the cult that was infiltrated by Leon Festinger when he wrote the book When Prophecy oh. Fails and came up with cognitive dissonance. These were the people he was watching. What and I was like, man, what a great cult to infiltrate. UFO uh, cults, UFO religions are like are right. And aliens every once in a while will like tell someone that the world's going to end, like whip up a frenzy. And it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And then they're up there and they're just like, every time. Every time, man. Every, every time. single time. And they're time. eating their popcorn. Yeah. Like just they're watching. Like, yeah. It's just when things get a little stale. What was going yep. on in 1954? 1954. Things were going pretty okay. <laughs> Let's stir some <laughs> things up. Bored. Yeah. They, when they get bored up there, they're like, I really I'm want a drama. I tell somebody I needed... the world's going to end. I need a good reality TV show thrill. Let's go. I love I love that idea. So, yeah, this was when Festinger infiltrated the Seekers and, you know, was studying them to see what happened when the beliefs failed and when the UFO did not come. There was a big portion of the members, again, who became convinced, who were convinced that, like, 
this is never going to happen. I'm out. But again, they were like newer members. Then there was this middle ground that said, no, no, no. I bet the UFO is going to come on Christmas Eve or Christmas because, again, they have some religious foundations. They're like, maybe it's going to be this day that revolves around Jesus. Let's Ah. do that. So some people moved towards that. And then there were, you know, the leaders and the people who started the whole thing who are just sitting back like, hey, I don't know what's going on, but like, we're still right. Just hold tight. So then Christmas Eve and Christmas Day come and go. And the second disappointment is, you know, makes, again, a few people walk away and say, all right, I was holding on for Christmas, but I I can't get into this anymore. But the majority of the group did stay. They held on to their belief. They held on to their leaders. They still worshiped the ground Dorothy walked on and basically said that their faith had saved the world from the disaster the aliens had warned of, and they were safe because of their faith. So that was, again, that was like where the study came from. Yeah, exactly. And the cognitive dissonance, you see it. They convinced themselves. It happens. And then my last example are the ones I had touched on earlier. The violent millenarians are, you know, the cults that believe. Oh, okay. No, that's like the category. (laughs) These are the type of cults that believe they have to incite violence either on themselves or others in order to, you know, change the world, transform, wipe everything out, whatever. So this is the Japanese cult, um, Am Shinriko, I, Shinrikyo, I'm so sorry, I know I'm saying it wrong, I'm trying. They do go by Am, which I'll stick with that, that's much okay. easier to say. The name means supreme truth, and it began in the 1980s as a spiritual movement, sort of, mixing Hindu and Buddhist beliefs later working in elements of apocalyptic Christian prophecies. So I thought that was interesting because the Hindu and Buddhist beliefs, it almost seems like that, like it started kind of peaceful. um, And they were like, hey, we know the end of the world is coming, but like we believe in these peaceful practices to save us. But then some of the Christian prophecies started to come in, probably Mm -hmm. some of those words from Revelation. And then it started to be like, oh, we need to be more aggressive. So they were taking end-of-the-world theories from a few religions, throwing them together and blending into their own belief. The group's founder, Shoko Asahara, declared himself to be both Christ and the first enlightened one. So again, he's taking something from Buddhism, saying he is the first enlightened one since Buddha, but also I'm a form of Christ. So he's he's taking bits of Why not both? Porque no las dos? Yeah, let's do it. He believed he could take on the sins of all of his followers and bring them salvation if they just promised to follow him, you know, to the ends of the earth. So the group, whose name is, I'm shortening to Om for the remainder of this, they gained official status as a religious organization in Japan in 1989. And Asahara actually picked up a sizable global following, like word spread, and they had like tens and thousands of people around the world at their peak who were believing what this guy was saying. Um, A lot of people who followed him in Japan were, as we said before, actually really intelligent young people. They were students at some of the most elite universities. They were young people from academically pressured backgrounds who, you know, were now in super high pressure jobs. And the cult promised them something more meaningful. Like this, your life doesn't have to be school and work. Come find meaning to life. So you get why they were they were brought in. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're going to see a, a huge surge in cult activity in the coming years because oh, of the absolutely. amount of people that have been awoken, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that have 
come to the revelation, if you will, mm-hmm. um, during COVID of, you know, when we were all sent home to work from home and then we realized like, oh, I can do my job from home and save on gas and also be in the comfort of my own home. And it's great. Right. And then companies were like, you have to come back. And you're like, why? And they're like, just because. Yep. And you're like, well, that's not a good enough reason. So. Yep. Why? So we're going to start a revolution yeah. and fight you. Yeah. For sure. I I agree completely. Um, and yeah, so this, this religion that was, you know, gaining this huge following, they started to, you know, shift into something a little more sinister. Om gradually became a paranoid doomsday cult convinced that the world was about to collapse into World War Three. Hmm. Interesting reading this with the... Yeah. With what's going on in our world, but um, they believed that it was going to become World War Three, and only its members would survive it all. And that, you know, if they followed him and believed in him, they could survive it as the rest of the world crumbled. And their biggest enemy was the U.S. Um, it was believed by the followers that we were the beast referred to in the book of Revelation. Yeah, and Japan wrong. was going to, well, I know, I'm like, oh, I see that. I see it. <laughs> Japan was going to be the one that was attacked and fell victim to the beast. So the group had to protect themselves and not trust anyone outside of themselves. The corrupt world had to vanish away and this group of believers would make it through. So Om became increasingly violent. They started kidnapping, injuring, and killing their opponents, quote unquote, and even using chemical and biological agents in their attacks. They were getting serious to a very dangerous point and the worst one was in tokyo on march 20th 1995 it was right in the middle of morning rush hour millions of commuters stepping you know onto the trains all the busy underground trains and also on board some of these trains were five bags filled with a liquid nerve agent left by members of om the packages were leaking and passengers started to feel stinging fumes hitting their eyes and the toxin struck victims down in a matter of seconds leaving them choking vomiting some were blinded and permanently paralyzed 13 people died and at least 5,000 were badly injured in five coordinated attacks on three train lines that day it was insane the cause was serin which is a nerve agent developed by the nazis to no surprise and it was the worst domestic terror attack ever carried out on japanese soil so that was when they went from religion to kind of scary religious cult to an actual terrorist organization on like being watched by everyone. So that was horrifying and scary. And they still they didn't carry out anything as big, I think, for a very long time, but still were violent, you know, in yeah. smaller attacks across Japan. And sadly, even though most of the leaders of this cult have been caught or have been killed or, are, you know, they're either... They were executed or still sitting in prison. There are still some followers rumored to be around in Japan, and there is a lot of police surveillance involved to make sure they don't do anything again, but there are a few loyal followers left, which is just so terrifying. Yep. So cults, unfortunately, can go that way if they believe the apocalypse is coming, and... Thank goodness they're more rare because that's well, awful. yeah, and especially when you think about, I mean, if if they truly believe the apocalypse is coming, they don't have anything to lose, right? So they're that gives them more strength behind. Yeah, it. it gives them at least a little bit more courage to do stuff because it's like, well, you know, if I end who up cares? going to prison, who cares? The world's going to end, and I won't even have to right. serve my time because the world's going to be over. Or like, you know, totally. who cares if I die doing this? I the world's going to end we're going to die anyway so I might as well die 
doing this and, you know, become exalted in the afterlife. Right. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And I mean crazy. that in like a wow, wow, wee, wah way, not like in a, a medical term. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, we're just, I think we're both sitting here with our minds blown because it's yeah. like, again, we've talked about cults many times and I think we, it can make your jaw drop hearing any cult stories. But yeah, the things people will do when they think it's the end times is, it's creepy, makes me have the chills and the goose pimples. I don't like to think about it. But, chills and yeah. the goose pimples. <laughs> the goose pimples. Jesus swept. Uh, that's Jesus all. Jesus swept. That's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Um, just a reminder, if you want to donate to our Patreon, you can do so at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. If you'd like to buy some of our merch, you can do that by visiting www.keepitweirdpodcast.com slash merch. And there you will find a link that will take you right to our Tee Public store. We've got t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, stickers, magnets, buttons, tote bags, you name it. And Tee Public runs a lot of sales through their site, too. So you can get a $21 shirt for $13 usually, and it's dope. Love to see it. Follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast. That's usually where we post about those sweet Tee Public sales and also uh, upcoming episodes. We've got Witchy Wednesdays. We're working on getting Media Mondays and Freaky Fridays up and running, which will be a blast. And also, we have a Facebook group where we share really weird stuff and funny memes and answer each other's questions and have a lot of fun. So join our weird family in one of these many, many ways. Get in on the combo. And... Um, Sign, like, I, have, I can't off. think of anything clever for a sign off because Listen. Jesus swept like really distracted <laughs> me it really it's just the perfect thing <sighs> it's hard too to think of a sign off at a time where for example y'all we're recording this episode on March 2nd so right. it's like what's going to have happened know, when it's this, released like am I gonna have to god forbid add some sort of extra warning at the beginning saying this episode was recorded before xyz happened I fucking hope I not know. so yeah this By episode's not coming out, out until March 18th so right. here's my sign off wherever you are hope things are going well <laughs> hope you're doing okay hope you're doing alright hope I have a job that would be cool uh, same. I hope we're both employed. I hope we're both employed. <laughs> I, I hope it's, it's brighter <laughs> by now, days. By today. I know. Please. Get your, get your taxes done. Get your taxes done. And uh, always keep, keep it, it weird. weird.